Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Today, we will discuss episode 54 of the story of Minglan or This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. Also, please, please, please do leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us to. And if you have not already, please check out our website, www.chasingdramas.com to see which dramas we are currently watching or our drama reviews, especially now that it's in the holiday season. We finally have some more time to check out some new dramas. For this podcast episode, we will start off with the episode recap, then move on to a character analysis, then historical analysis, and finally close off with some book differences. In the last episode, Minglan and Gu Tingye, our main characters, completed renovations to their property and therefore through a banquet to welcome guests. Pretty much all the aristocracy and socialites in the capital have turned up, not just for the food and drink, but for the gossip as well. Minglan privately met with her old, not even lover, but uh, I guess person of interest, Qi Hong the young duke, in order to tell him to get over their failed relationship after his new wife pretty much accosted Minglan during a rather passive-aggressive meeting. The encounter was partway overseen by Gu Tingye. We now return back to the main grounds where further squabbles are arising, this time between a Madame Zhang and a Mistress Zhou, or a Zhang Danyangzi and a Zhou Xiaoniang. Before we proceed further, let's explain who these people are. Madame Zhang is the sole daughter of the Duke of Ying or Ying Guogong. He is a seasoned veteran and a highly ranked official at court. He's what you would call the old blood of court. As we can see, Madame Zhang comes from a very powerful family and we can infer she's been raised well. She is now married to Shen Guojiu as wife. He is the younger brother of the new empress. As a reminder, the new emperor and empress are relatives of the deceased emperor and previously lived in Yuzhou, not the capital of Kaifeng or Bianjing. Therefore, the entire new imperial family, including this new Shen Guojiu, were not raised in the capital and are relatively new to the comings and goings at court. Shen Guojiu was also actually previously married to a Madame Zhou. But as we will hear more details of later on, this Madame Zhou is now deceased and he has since brought in her younger sister to become his concubine. That is now who we see as Mistress Zhou. 
Mistress Zhou, though, seems to be rather arrogant and thinks too highly of herself as she, as a concubine, thought it appropriate to appear at Minglan and Gu Tingye's banquet. This is clearly out of propriety as her station as concubine means she is not allowed to appear at these types of functions. And we now see the two women, Madame Zhang and Mistress Zhou, start bickering in front of all of the guests that have congregated at Minglan's party. Minglan steps in to try to defuse the conflict, but Madame Zhang turns her ire towards Minglan. Much of this is because she has been influenced by a lot of the gossip she heard from Madame Qin, Milan's stepmother-in-law, which we saw in the last episode. Things turn rather ugly as Madame Zhang sneers at Milan's low birth status and insults her repeatedly. Luckily, Gu Tingye and Shen Guozhu arrive to separate the women and turn the crowd away from this rather humiliating spectacle. In the end, this was a blatant display of disrespect towards Minglan since her banquet was pretty much ruined. But Shen Guozhu was also humiliated because his wife and concubine were fighting in public. Though, if you look, once the onlookers turn away, Madame Zhang is left by herself. Her husband has clearly chosen Mistress Zhou's side. We will dive into the character that is Shen Guozhou at the end of this episode. Such a gossip-worthy event meant that word traveled fast, both within the Gu family and to outside uh, interested parties. Madame Kang and Madame Qin continue to scheme and say deplorable things about Minglan, while all the way in the Imperial Palace, the Empress Dowager is discussing the events with the Imperial concubine Liu. From these two, we now recognize that while this was a tiff between two women in the same household, this had implications for the entire new Imperial family, and they're standing at court. Imperial concubine Liu points out, that the emperor must be displeased with this news as his closest advisors lost face at this banquet, which in turn means that he loses face. Not too long after, Minglan is summoned to the palace by none other than the Empress, Empress, not Empress Dowager, where the Empress details the tragic backstory of Shen Guozhou's first marriage. Her younger brother, Shen Guozhou was married to Madame Zhou, but it seems that soon after the coup that happened, a group of assassins thought that Madame Zhou was Madame Shen, aka the new empress, and beheaded her to claim wealth and riches. That is the only reason the empress was actually able to survive and become empress. As such, her life is owed to this Madame Zhou. That's why she and the emperor quietly allowed Shen Guozhou to take in Madame Zhou's younger sister as concubine. The issue is, this complicates matters quite a bit. The subsequent marriage between Shen Guozhou and Madame Zhang, daughter of the Duke of Ying, was to bridge the gap between the old court and the new court. But as we saw, Madame Zhang is 
kind of left to her own devices because there is a much stronger relationship between Shin Guojiu and the Zhou family. The Empress shares this with Minglan because the fracturing of this marriage could spell disaster for the new Emperor's court, as the ministers and aristocracy from the old regime could turn their support away from the new Emperor. Understanding the magnitude of this conflict, Minglan volunteers herself to speak to Madame Zhang to try to calm things down. And so, Minglan heads over to the Shen household to try to speak to Madame Zhang. At first, Minglan is left to wait for quite some time. Evidently, Madame Zhang does not want to speak to Minglan, which I think is understandable. Especially uh, with the fact that Madame Zhang has, and at this point, probably believes all that gossip. Mistress Zhou, however, decides to greet Minglan herself. I think it's try to develop a relationship with Minglan to support her and the Shen household, but also to kind of like upstage Madame Zhang to say, you know what, if you won't meet a uh, marchioness, I will do so. Minglan, however, recognizes that Mistress Zhou is not someone you want to support and tries to take her leave. Mistress Zhou does not relent and follows her out. Through this conversation, we see that Mistress so does indeed think incredibly highly of herself and her family. She thinks that her family is royalty and actually looks down upon the likes of Madame Zhang, who in her eyes are simply ministers and courtiers. They are not royalty. She completely disregards her station as a mistress. Minglan does not agree with this whatsoever and is rather blunt in her disapproval. Minglan points out the ways Mistress So acted out of propriety and tries to urge her to stop creating conflict. This greatly displeases Mistress So, who turns away angrily. She was trying to see if she could get an ally out of Minglan, but Minglan staunchly is in the camp of Madame Zhang. At this point, Madame Zhang's maid, who you can see in the back kind of listening in on the conversation, invites Minglan to speak to Madame Zhang. Initially, Madame Zhang did not want to see Minglan because she thought Minglan was here to laugh at her. But after hearing through her maid what Minglan said to Mistress so to Madame Zhang it seems like Minglan understands her. Madame Zhang is in a rather depressed state. She is alone in bed and lamenting her life. She knows full well that she's been married to the Shen family for reasons beyond her control, and so she thinks there's not much she can do to change her current situation. This is where Minglan comes in. She shares the story of her grandmother's headmaid, Nanny Fang, who grew up incredibly poor and was sold off, but learned many crafts to become her grandmother's maid. This Nanny Fang was even able to be married and have children of her own. For someone like her to be able to change her life, Madame Zhang certainly can live her life to the fullest. After all, Madame Zhang was born into one of the most prestigious families in the world. Minglan also reflects to Madame Zhang that in these types of arranged marriages, the only people in the end that benefit when such a marriage conflict arises are men. 
Therefore, as women, they should try to live their life to the fullest. I think Minglan's words are really important for us to remember on how we should live our lives. Everything we do is for ourselves and not for other people. Therefore, living our own lives to make ourselves happy is the most important thing rather than trying to please others and ignore the challenges that may be in our path. Upon hearing her words, Madam Zhang recognizes that Minglan is not the rude, unintelligent, gold digger type person that other people made her out to be. And this is where a wonderful friendship between two, you could say, rather powerful women now begins. On the flip side, Gu Tingye is also trying to talk some sense into his friend, Shen Guoqiu. I actually really appreciate this scene because we see how heartbroken Shen Guoqiu is to have lost his first wife. I think it's rather rare to see where the guy doesn't want to marry either, or at least in these types of situations. There were snippets throughout the last couple of episodes where we have heard how deeply uh, Shen Guoqiu loved his wife, and we are seeing it here. He didn't want to be a part of this arranged marriage with Madame Zhang, and he doesn't even want to be in the capital. He wants to stay back in his hometown in Yuzhou and just be the captain he once was. And he does not want to do any of this, but he has to marry, or he had to marry because of his status. And in reality, he does want to shower his deceased wife's family, the Zhou family, with as much wealth and status and power as a way to repay what she has done for his family. Gu Tingye totally understands all of that and explains that, you know, this would be all fine and well if only Mistress Zhou was like her older sister, Madame Zhou. Though we did not meet Madame Zhou, we can infer that she was poised and understanding all the things you would want in a wonderful wife. Mistress Zhou, from the brief scenes we have seen of her, is not like that at all, and pretty much everyone can see it. Gu Tingye tells Shen Guozhou uh, bluntly, as a brother can do, or a close friend can do, that if Shen Guozhou does not get a grip and take control of his household, then Mistress Zhou will wreak havoc on not only his family, but the entire court. Shen Guozhou, I would say, deep down recognizes this, but it doesn't mean he's still not deeply mourning his wife's death and his preference for the Zhou family. Fortunately, Madame Zhang takes Minglan's words to heart and immediately steps out of her shell to practice polo. In the very next scene, we're back on the polo fields with Minglan, Gu Tingye, Madame Zhang, Shen Guozhou, and Mistress Zhou. It is clear that Madame Zhang is an accomplished polo player, or at least equal to Minglan in skill. On horseback, she is extremely comfortable and is thoroughly enjoying her time. Her husband, Shen Guozhou, who has been taking Mistress Zhou around to teach her how to ride, is enraptured by Madame Zhang's stature. And a reminder to everyone, you are the most attractive when you yourself are happiest, rather than when you're trying to please someone. Take a look. Shen Guozhou thoroughly just ditches Mistress Zhou in favor of helping Madame Zhang in a match against Minglan and Gu Tingye. This is a pretty 
good way to strengthen a husband and wife relationship um, by teaming up, right? The two couples play a heated match, but in the end, Madam Zhang and Shen Guozhou actually beat Minglan and Gu Tingye. I think they probably let them win. As a prize, the couple actually win Gu Tingye's prized spear that he was gifted by the previous emperor. The bigger prize, I would say, is the uh, kindled attraction or relationship between Madame Zhang and Shen Guoqiu. I don't say necessarily rekindled because I don't know if there was ever a relationship to begin with. So at least this is uh, an opportunity to see the good sides of both individuals. The episode ends with Ming Lan telling Gu Tingye over breakfast that it looks like the Shen household has calmed down quite a bit over the last few days. But Gu Tingye continues to cold shoulder Ming Lan. Throughout the episode and ever since the party, Gu Tingye has been rather cold towards Ming Lan. Part of it is because he saw Ti Hung and her speak, but as we've mentioned multiple times throughout the podcast, the true reason why he's upset is that he realizes she still does not love him. Everything she does for him is as him as Marquis, but nothing she does for him is for him as her lover. He feels rather depressed that he can't seem to get into her heart, so he's been extremely sulky, so much so that he's actually been shirking going to court, which I would say is a pretty big no-no. While these two were able to help their friend's marriage, it seems like their own marriage has some work to do. Or rather, <laughs> Gu Tingye just still doesn't understand uh, why Minglan doesn't love him. And I would say the primary issue is that Minglan doesn't see this as a problem she needs to overcome. She thinks it's just how life is as a married couple, where the husband loses interest so long as, you know, she lives her life, she's fine. Though she is a little saddened by the emptiness in her rooms without Gu Tingye around, so there is at least some inkling of uh, attachment towards Gu Tingye. All right, and that was the recap for the episode. Let's now turn our attention towards a character analysis. The character that we wanted to discuss today is actually Shen Guozhou. As a reminder to listeners, Shen Guozhou is his title, so. That is the brother-in-law to the emperor because, of course, his sister is the empress. His name is actually Shen Chongxing. We'll just refer to him as Shen Guozhou from now on. On the battlefield, he may be a valiant soldier, but when it comes to matters of home and of court, he's a rather spineless man. Me, right now, I'm not hiding my distaste for him. Shen Guozhou and the Shen family essentially destroyed two families with his actions. He wanted to curry favor with the old aristocratic families of the capital, so he married Madame Zhang, the daughter of the Duke of Ying. He knows that Madame Zhang is an upstanding woman, but then he spends his days pining and mourning over his deceased wife. I commend him for his loyalty to his ex or dead wife, but why did he then decide to agree to have his dead wife's younger sister enter into his household as a concubine? It was mentioned a couple of times during the episode, and I just mentioned it earlier, but I want to point out step by step each mistake 
Shenguojiu makes in this episode or directly preceding this episode. First, he agreed to marry Madame Zhang while still mourning his wife. This is unfair to Madame Zhang, who will always be living in the woman's shadow. Madame Zhang, by comparison, knows this and doesn't try to fight it. She agrees that um, Shen Guozhou's previous wife is a very important part of him, so she doesn't try to change that fact. Second, Shen Guozhou then agrees to have Zhou Sanyang enter into the household as a concubine. She entered into the household as a guiqie, which is a noble-ranking concubine, which is extremely, extremely um, rare. Not only that, but as a concubine, she has a title of a gaoming. We went through this whole episode um, talking about Minglan getting the gaoming title, which is a huge honor. The fact that Zhou Senyang, as a concubine with no sons, and who she did absolutely nothing, already has this title that many noble women do not is absolutely unheard of. Sure, Shen Guozhou wanted to repay the Zhou family, but why did he have to go this route? He could have just promised more riches and power. In the book, the Zhou family really pushed for this direction, and Shen Guozhou acquiesced. As Gu Tingye said in this episode, if the concubine or Zhou Sanyang knew her place, no one would say anything. Unfortunately, this concubine kept on overstepping the madam of the family, and that reflects poorly on everyone, especially Shen Guozhou. This Shen Guozhou knowingly favors his concubine over the wife that he chose to marry. No one forced him to marry this concubine, so his actions in my mind are quite despicable. He then goes on to cry to Gu Tingye saying, Why can't I give everything to the Zhou family? <clears throat> I want to smack him. Wake up! You can't get everything that you want in the world. Yes, your first wife died, but you're just making every problem worse. And lastly, I want to talk about him in this episode and his treatment of the two women. At the beginning, he clearly favored his concubine. He just ditched his wife at the banquet. Then at the end of the episode, he saw that his wife, Madame Zhang, was a sight to behold on the polo field and then promptly leaves his concubine in favor of Madame Zhang and goes over to flirt with Madame Zhang for the rest of it. I personally think that if Madame Zhang was just scouring on the sidelines, he would have just ignored her too. But no, Madame Zhang picked herself up and showed that she is a formidable woman in her own right. Her husband turns around and finally sees that. And is like, oh, wow, my wife is awesome. Um, hello, what were you doing this past, I don't know, however many months you were married? All I'm seeing is a man with no backbone who is too prideful to admit that he screwed up and will continue to destroy the lives of these two women. This man and the Shen family directly contributed to this tragedy. So in this regard, I'm not too happy about them. Hopefully you can <laughs> hear my uh, dislike towards Shen Guozhou. Let's just say that the Shen family, aka the emperor and empress, are should be grateful that Mingline was able to step in. Because I don't think anybody else would have been able to kind of 
bring Madame Zhang out of her depressed state. Now let's move on to our historical analysis for this episode. First up is the opera that Madame Zhang mentions at the beginning of the episode when she was yelling at Mistress Zhou and also insulting Ming Lan. The opera she mentions is Su Qin Returning Home in Glory, or in Chinese, Dong Su Qin Yi Jing Huan Xiang. This is actually a Yuan Dynasty opera, so this is an anachronism. The uh, Yuan Dynasty was founded in the late 13th century, while we are currently in the Song Dynasty or the mid 11th century. The opera is about the brilliant political strategist Su Qin, who lived during the Warring States period. His birth date is unknown, but we do know when he died, which is 284 BC. He was a proponent of the Vertical Alliance strategy, and his crowning achievement included the Vertical Alliance, which persuaded the leaders of the Six Kingdoms of Chu. Yan, Qi, Zhao, Han, and Wei to unite against the state of Qin. The state of Qin did not act for another 15 years after this alliance. The opera itself was styled in the typical Yuan Zhaju style with four acts and one wedge or an intro aria, or else what you could call Si Yi Qi Zi. The author for this opera is unknown, and the opera itself draws heavily from the records of the Grand Historian, which was finished in the first century BC. The opera recounts the story of Su Qin and his struggles to succeed. During the Warring States period, Su Qin and Zhang Yi were bonded brothers. Zhang Yi was able to gain a position at court, uh, but due to illness, Su Qin was forced to stay at home. His parents, brother, and even wife all treated him rather coldly. In his frustration and anger, he left home to forge a new path and position for him. He reached out to his old friend Zhang Yi, who at that point was already a high-ranking official in the state of Qin, but unfortunately was also treated rather coldly and distantly. Disappointed, Su Qin was at a loss for next steps. But Zhang Yi sent money and supplies to inform him to inform him to try elsewhere and built a reputation. Su Qin took this to heart and spent years canvassing across the other six kingdoms to form the vertical alliance against the state of Qin. Su Qin became the uh, state administrator and wore the insignia of the six member states. After he became famous, he returned back home in all his glory. He finally reconciled with his family and his good friend Zhang Yi. The story is used correctly in my mind by Madame Zhang. Gu Tingye was kicked out of the capital by his family and was treated rather coldly. But when he returned back to the capital in all his glory, he is now one of the most powerful and wealthy people in the capital. And so this or his story fits the name of Yi Jing Huanxiang. Next up, we will talk about Du Kang. Wu Tingye and Shen Guojiu mention him when talking about drinking during their heart-to-heart conversation. 
The phrase um, that they use is actually called 何以解忧,唯有杜康, which translates to how can we solve our problem only through 杜康, and that's the YouTube translation, which I thought fit pretty well. These two lines actually come from the Grand Chancellor Cao Cao of the late Eastern Han Dynasty, whom we've talked about before. This was composed during a banquet and is called Duan Xing. So who is this Du Kang? According to Baidu, the Chinese version of Wikipedia, and according to legend, Du Kang is the inventor of alcoholic beverages. He is known in China as a god of wine. So legend has it, during the reign of the Yellow Emperor Huang Di, there was a man called Du Kang who was in charge of food storage. In a bountiful year, the people had no choice but to store the food in a damp cave. Unfortunately, it all spoiled. Seeing this, Du Kang needed to find another way to store the food. On a walk, Du Kang saw some dead trees that were hollowed out and decided to try to store crops in the tree. After a while, he returned to see animals lying near the trees, as if dead. There was a curious liquid that was seeping out of the dead trees. Upon a taste test, Du Kang realized that this new substance was delicious. He brought the new liquid home and shared it with his people, and thus the legend of alcohol and wine began to travel. Of course, there's a little historical record of the actual inventor of alcohol. This is a good story. But according to the records of the grand historian Shi Ji, um, and another uh, historical um, book written during the Han Dynasty, Du Kang was apparently also a king of the legendary Xia Dynasty. Okay, those are our two main topics with history that we wanted to talk about. And finally, let's move on to book differences. As with the previous episode, the drama condenses a lot of things that happen in the books into this one episode just to get the plot moving. Madame Zhang and Mistress Zhou do not get into a fight at Minglan's banquet. Minglan and Madame Zhou actually become fast friends without a lot of the misconceived ideas from Madame Qin. I personally didn't like that the drama had Madame Zhang and Mistress Zhou fight during the banquet because it makes it seem that Minglan is very incapable, which is exactly the rumor that spreads throughout the capital city. In the book, Minglan has a firm grasp of her guests. It does not allow anything or any of these shenanigans to happen. In the book, many of the noble women um, think pretty highly of Minglan after attending her banquets because they're surprised that a shunu could do as well as she did. The drama gives more scenes to the Empress Dowager and her plotting, which we don't really see much of in the book. Gu Tingye also doesn't get all pouty about his wife's feelings, or at least not really. This part has given, been given a lot and a lot of screen time in the drama, which, I don't know, I think for me, I'm, I'm kind of over it right now. <laughs> Well, that is it for today. By helping Madame Zhang with her marriage, Minglan now has a good friend and the daughter of a duke, which is certainly going to help her in the future. 
This episode was more or less dedicated to the marital issues between Madame Zhang and Shen Guojiu, but we have hinted at how this has larger implications at court, which we will continue to see bubble up. Additionally, as a reminder, that the initial rudeness from Madame Zhang towards Minglan was due to the bad-mouthing of Madame Qin, who has consistently been in the background trying to destroy Minglan in rather tactful ways, I would say. But it seems like this particular tactic has failed since Madame Zhang and Minglan are now actually really close. We will see what else happens between this marriage and also Minglan's own marriage in the coming episodes. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions on what was discussed on our podcast episode. We would also like to point you to our sponsor, Jubao TV, where if you are in the U.S., you are able to check out a number of Chinese dramas and movies for free. Those do have English subtitles and can be accessed via the website Jumo or XUMO or on TV through Xfinity and Cox Contour. Thank you all so much for listening and we will catch you in the next episode. (music) 